Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Adam Rindy, and welcome to the One Thing Podcast. Here we bring together experts in naturopathic, integrative, and functional medicine to speak about topics such as gut health, brain health, performance, longevity, and also we dive into chronic diseases that are very troubling and difficult to treat. In these episodes, we're looking for key elements, perhaps one thing that may turn the tides in the health of our listeners and in the health of your patients. These key elements are buried in the details. So we're looking to unpack some of these key concepts and help hope to improve the health of you and your patients. Thank you for tuning in and stay tuned for today's episode. If you suffer from gut-related disorders such as inflammatory bowel disease, IBS, gastritis, GERD, you know how much your digestion plays a role in your overall health. And conventional medicine has many options to help control these diseases, but often people are left with residual problems such as chronic pain, diarrhea, constipation, reflux, and there's something missing in the overall approach. In the recent history, Medical cannabis has been utilized in some of these conditions to help with some of the pain, discomfort, appetite problems, digestion, motility issues. And we wanted to bring back Dr. Nick Chacomas, who was with us in part one of this episode to give us an overview of medical cannabis. In this episode, we dive into specifically more gut applications of medical cannabis. He'll take us through the different mechanisms of how medical cannabis, such as CBD and THC preparations, might help with gut motility disorders. He'll also talk to us about how to go about finding the proper medicine for your specific gut-related problem. So join us in this most interesting episode about gut applications of medical cannabis. Without further ado, I'm going to jump right into the episode with Dr. Nick Jacomas. Dr. Jacomas, welcome back and thank you so much for joining us again and speaking with us about medical cannabis and cannabis last segment. You gave us a great overview of all the different components of the endocannabinoid system. In today's segment, we're going to speak specifically about GI disorders and uh, welcome back and, and, and thank you for joining us with, with this. No problem. Yeah. So um, we were speaking last time a little bit about just sort of the overview. And today I'd like to go in and hear your thoughts a little bit about how cannabis can be utilized in gut-related disorders and just sort of your thoughts about the general applications. Yeah, absolutely. So I think cannabis has a lot of potential application here. And the reason for that is that, you know, if you sort of look, if you take a bird's eye view of the the medical literature and the medical benefits that cannabis tends to have. Most of the time, it is related to things that have to do with inflammation. And so a lot of the disorders where there's good clinical evidence for cannabis being effective, um, you know, things like MS, for example, these tend to be disorders where the immune system is overactive. And the reason cannabinoid-based therapies are often good for inflammatory conditions is that these compounds tend to have pretty potent anti-inflammatory effects. 
Um, and that's definitely true for things like THC and CBD. So THC, for example, um, I believe it's more, it's actually more potent than things like aspirin or hydrocortisone as an anti-inflammatory, at least under certain circumstances. Um, CBD is also anti-inflammatory. And so most of these cannabinoid compounds and, and some of the terpenes as well tend to have anti-inflammatory effects. They tend to have immunosuppressive effects. And so for conditions that involve excessive immune system activation or excessive inflammation, um, cannabinoid-based therapies are typically good candidates for something that's likely to um, have some kind of benefit, although there's lots of details and caveats to go into there. Um, for something like GI health, I think that's a really interesting area um, for a couple of different reasons. Um, one, um, you know, if you're talking about something like colloidus or IBS or things like that, these are inflammatory conditions. Um, there is excessive inflammation. There's too much immune system activity, um, more or less, in the gut. Um, and that causes a lot of discomfort and a lot of problems for patients that suffer from those things. And because these are pathologies related to inflammation, um, cannabinoids are good candidates for something that is likely to help those patients because of their anti-inflammatory effects. So um, I think there's a variety of things to talk about there. Um, you know, one is just the, the, the potential benefits for things like THC, CBD, or other cannabinoids for these disorders. Um, and the other is the connection that we talked about in the first part to diet. So, um, you know, there's some interesting research out there showing, again, that, you know, when you consume either THC or CBD with a high-fat diet, you're actually going to get much better absorption into the gut system of those cannabinoids. And so for something like a GI disorder in particular, I think it's doubly important to be very mindful of how you're consuming your, your cannabis. Um, if you're consuming it orally, um, which seems right, it seems like a natural choice for someone with a GI disorder because, you know, it's going to go down your esophagus, it's going to go into your stomach and it's going to go through your entire digestive tract and get absorbed in the gut. Um, and so if you're doing that with a high fat diet, you're going to get much better absorption. And I would think um, much better symptom control um, of your of your condition. Um, but again, it's important to talk about talk about this with your physician and what the what the right approach is for you. Do you want THC because that's going to have some psychoactive effects for you? Um, you might want to avoid those psychoactive effects. On the other hand, I know that a lot of patients do have um, benefits they see from THC because again, THC does have anti-inflammatory effects itself. It does have um, medical benefits it can have. Um, some people get confused, I think, and they think about THC as sort of the, the fun recreational cannabinoid. It's the one that gets you high. And CBD is the serious medical cannabinoid. And it's the one you take as a medicine. And that's too simplistic. Um, that's not a good way to think about these compounds. Both THC and CBD can have medicinal benefits. And you might get really good outcomes from one of them. You might get one of really good outcomes from a combination of both of them. And it's really up to you as the patient to do some experimentation in consultation with your doctor about what, what the right approach is. And typically what I see, you know, when I talk to medical patients, um, and, and I don't do that, I'm not a physician, so I don't do that as part of a practice. But when I talk to patients um, as part of my job for Leafly, um, or when I meet them in my personal life, or when I'm talking to their doctor, when I talk to medical cannabis physicians, you know, a key component of all of this is experimentation. So try a product that's higher in THC, try a product that's higher in CBD, try a balanced product that has both. Um, make sure you're experimenting with how you consume that. Are you consuming it orally with a high fat diet? Um, are you vaporizing it? Are you using a tincture? 
all of these things, I think, are going to impact the outcome for a patient because they're all going to impact bioavailability and how much of those compounds are actually getting to where they need to get in the body. Yeah. And, you know, I think the time we, when we spoke last time, you, you were talking about the CB1 and CB2 receptors. And I think it's really important when we're thinking about this topic of the gut is to know that these receptors are all throughout the enteric nervous system, right? The throughout the GI. And so um, we're with this particular uh, medic medication or um, with cannabis, you're, you're modulating that whole system um, by, you know, by potentially with a balance of CBD and THC or one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, both of these receptors are found in cells um, in, in, in the gut. Um, again, in general, outside of the nervous system, CB2 receptors are more common, although you do find both receptors. Um, what I can tell you is, you know, I think, I think you got to take it on a case by case basis. Um, everyone's body is unique. Everyone's endocannabinoid system is different in terms of um, how these receptors are distributed throughout the body and in particular tissues. And so for some patients with some conditions, a THC preparation might be the best way to go for others, a CBD um, product might be a better way to go. And for others, a mixture of both a balanced one-to-one -one or two-to-one -one combination might be best. Um, and I think for gut health, for something like a GI disorder, like colloidus, um, it's very natural for me to speculate that potentially both compounds could be effective here because on the one hand, um, both of them are anti-inflammatory. They tend to have anti-inflammatory effects. Um, and that's good if you're looking to treat an inflammatory disorder like colloidus or something like that. Um, but like I, like we mentioned in the first part of this podcast, each compound has um, very different mechanisms that it interacts with in the body. And so, um, you know, your body might need one, it might need both. And it's important just to do that experimentation and see what works for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's really important from a clinician perspective for me to point out sort of different scenarios. And maybe you can pepper in on this as well is that, you know, we, we do know that some of these receptors slow down motility. So like CB1 and CB2 are generally going to slow down motility. So typically I, I would lean towards using these in more of like a diarrheal scenario, like a flare up with colitis or a flare-up with IBS, like IBSD, which is to, to stabilize someone, um, you know, sort of having a different, a go-to to use as needed in a flare. Because of, it's not likely to help someone who's constipated or is having like slow motility. It's more likely to help stabilize someone who's having kind of rapid motility. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you know, it sort of relates to the idea of homeostasis and the natural, you know, the body's natural use of endocannabinoids is in this highly um, regulated, very precise way. It's not sort of releasing endocannabinoids all the time everywhere. It's doing it only when and where in the body it's needed. So when your endocannabinoid system is functioning normally, um, you know, we talked about an example from the brain, um, but you can also talk about this in terms of the normal functioning of the immune system and the normal inflammatory response. Um, the normal inflammatory response happens at a particular time in a particular place. So you get an injury, um, you get an infection, you want your immune system to kick in where that infection is happening and you want it to stop the infection and then you want it to go away, right? You don't want to have chronic inflammation because that can lead to 
collateral damage, essentially. You can, you can damage your own body when your immune system is too overactive. And so that endocannabinoid system is often used to restrict the inflammatory response so that it's only used at that appropriate time and appropriate place. I think by analogy, um, what you said is, is probably, um, it makes a lot of sense. You want to use these cannabinoid medicines, these cannabinoid products um, when they're needed. And so when you have something like a flare-up, you can use them to help um, rein in that inflammation. Uh, then it may not be, you may not want to keep using them chronically um, because it may not be appropriate. Um, you want to, you want to, you want that, uh, in, you want to use them mindfully to reduce inflammation when it's inappropriate. Um, but you don't necessarily want to suppress um, the immune system across the board on a chronic basis. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I just wanted to um, emphasize that when we're talking about these, these topics or these different strategies, it's really important just to be clear with your gastroenterologist or your doctor about just your different ideas and team up with a healthcare provider um, to sort of map this out, make sure it's going to work with your existing regimen and all the different parameters and also with employers and those types of things. So I just want to say that because um, it's, I think it's important for people to not necessarily experiment on their own or just to feel like they they don't have a voice in their, their care. Um, these are therapies that are even approved by the Department of Health for medical use. And so um, you can certainly bring it up with your your provider and we're all we're all here to listen to you. Um, one of the other things that I'd like to really say is that, you know, most of these GI disorders are um, related to kind of a mind-gut system. So, you know, it's often um, the case that someone who has a flare, an IBS or an IBD flare, that something that precedes it will be a really stressful period of life or mm-hmm. sleep disruption or anxiety or something acutely um, cute that happens that will be disrupt the central nervous system. And so I often think about strategies in this realm of using um, sort of a daily sort of mind balance approach with some of maybe a CBD uh, uh, dominant um, approach. And then for the flare, um, something that's more of a kind of a hybrid or, uh, you know, th- that's kind of my thinking. It has been my thinking for the the past few years. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, I think this is a fascinating area. Um, and so there's like, there's a variety of things that I think um, we can tie together here. So when thinking about the gut, right, you've got a lot of neurons from the central nervous system that reach down into the gut and interact with it. Um, you've also got a lot of um, compounds that we normally think of as brain compounds like serotonin um, that also that are also used in, in the periphery um, as signaling compounds in, in biology. And so when you're thinking about gut health, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about the microbiome and the health of your microbiome. That's not something that I'm an expert in, but I know that's a very important and hot area of research right now. Um, and there's also all of these interesting gut brain interactions. In fact, when I was in graduate school, um, a lot of my focus had to do with circuits in the brain that were related to feeding behavior. And there's just a lot of interesting biology about how neurons um, that reach down to the gut and connect to your d- digestive system interact with your brain and all of the other circuits in the brain that do that do other things related to cognition, emotion, and behavior. So there's this really rich area to think about there. But one place to start, I think, is um, I do know that a lot of GI disorders... Um, correlate 
or are potentially caused by um, misregulation of the serotonin system. So serotonin is a very important molecule. We normally think about that as a brain neurotransmitter because it's one of the most famous neurotransmitters in the brain, largely because it does lots of important stuff and it's a major target of um, mental health um, medications like SSRIs. So a lot of medications that we use to treat depression and anxiety target the serotonin system because serotonin is very important in the regulation of mood. At the same time, I think an interesting observation is that a common physical side effect of things like SSRIs um, are side effects of the gut. Um, so people often have negative side effects um, in their gut when they're taking SSRIs. And that's because serotonin isn't just used in the brain. It's actually an important part of gut regulation um, generally, although I don't, I'm not so familiar with a lot of the specific physiology there. Um, and I think that's really interesting when we think about things like gut health and we think about things like plant medicines. So not only are THC and CBD um, important anti-inflammatory compounds, and that's why they're potentially useful for things like GI disorders or treating inflammation and flare-ups. But things like CBD also interact with the serotonin system. So one of the areas where there's relatively strong evidence for the medical effects of CBD is in anxiety. And in general, CBD tends to be anxiolytic. Um, so you can imagine, and that's it's actually through its ability to um, stimulate the serotonin system in the brain. So it's interesting to start to speculate about, you know, something like CBD sort of being this dual purpose compound. It can affect things like inflammation to treat IBS or inflammatory conditions um, by treating the inflammation per se. But at the same time, it might be a good, um, a good add-on to um, help people lower the anxiety levels and things like that. Um, and then another area that I think comes into this is this emerging area of psychedelic medicines that you, you might be hearing about in the news a lot lately. Um, and in fact, some of these psychedelic compounds um, are typically characterized by their strong ability to activate the serotonin receptors in our body. And some of these compounds probably also have um, anti-inflammatory effects. I know that that's an area of research that's ongoing. Um, for example, um, some of the serotonergic or serotonin activating psychedelic compounds can actually have very strong anti-inflammatory effects. And in animal models for things like asthma, they've shown very strong um, anti-inflammatory effects that can prevent um, the onset of flare-ups in asthma, even at doses that are much below where you would get a, a behavioral or a true psychedelic effect. So if you've heard about things like microdosing LSD in the news, um, you know, these things are actually stimulating the serotonin system and potentially have a role to play at sub-psychedelic doses in um, inflammatory conditions. Um, so I think all of these plant-derived compounds or plant-related compounds are very interesting. Um, and it's an area of ongoing research. So I think we're going to start to hear more and more about this um, in the coming years. Absolutely. And I want to point out that when we talk about inflammation modulation from these different compounds, the sort of collateral or effect of that is that um, there's less pain and discomfort. Um, so when with a lot of GI disorders, there's pain or there's what's called visceral sensitivity. And so the part of the therapeutic strategy of using these plant compounds would be the, the pain modulation or less visceral hypersensitivity, meaning you just don't feel as much tummy pain or absolutely. Um, in IBD, it can be really severe pain in specific spots, and that can be 
downregulated and, um, you know, which may, may be able to lead to better sleep, which improves everything, right? Right. Yeah. And like, it's worth mentioning too, that, you know, THC um, can have pain relieving qualities on its own. It can be analgesic. Um, and, and sleep, you know, sleep is um, a relatively common thing that medical patients um, use cannabis products to treat. And that can include THC. So again, it's important to recognize that THC is, you know, it's not the fun compound um, only. Um, it does have potential medical benefits itself. Um, and it's important, I think, to consult with your physician about using THC products for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, as we've mentioned, it can help with the inflammation, it can help with the pain, it can potentially help with the sleep. Um, at the same time, I think a lot of patients get scared of THC because it is the, the intoxicating, strongly psychoactive compound. But at the same time, I think those pain relieving qualities and the euphoria that you can get from the psychoactive component um, can actually be helpful for some patients that have um, unpleasant pain as as something that they're dealing with. And so, you know, being mindful about how you produce, produce um, or approach, excuse me, um, your use of THC, I think is important. Start low and go slow with the dose and work with your physician, but don't be, you know, don't be um, dismissive of THC outright. I think some people um, want to avoid THC because they think it's, you know, it's all fun and no benefit. But I think for a lot of patients, there is potential for THC to help both with the pain and with the inflammation. Right. And I think the important thing that I'm trying to elicit from this, this, uh, these conversations we've had is that, you know, just knowing how things work is going to make things much less of a sort of barrier, you know, because it's, it's like anything, you know, if you, you're taking a medication, whether it's a plant or a pharmaceutical, if you know how it works versus just sort of jumping in with, with kind of like an experimental um, approach, then it's going to be a lot different. So if you know how it works and what you're expecting to um, to experience, whether you, let's say that a person selects a strain that's 80% CB, CBD versus, and 20% THC, they'll, they'll know what to expect from that strain versus just kind of going in and not knowing what they're likely to experience. Yeah. And that's, I think that's critical, especially in the legal cannabis industry, because, you know, when you walk into a dispensary, you know, you're going to see string names and you're going to see brand names, and you're going to see fancy packaging and shiny labels. But at the end of the day, um, the effects of that product are going to be due to the chemistry of that product. And so the more that you can empower yourself as a consumer to actually understand the chemistry that works for you, the better able you're going to be to select products that are going to deliver the effects you want on a consistent basis. And so that kind of ties back to um, our earlier discussion of the Leafly Cannabis Guide. So if you go on to Leafly, you can read about the biology of the endocannabinoid system and how cannabinoids work, but you can also start to compare and contrast strains based on their actual chemistry. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is to do that, especially as a patient where you have, you know, very serious potential uh, condition that you're treating. Um, you want to learn on your own and work with your physician to figure out like, what is that chemistry that works the best for my body? Is it two to one THC to CBD? Is it like CBD dominant, you know, pure CBD? Is it, you know, a, a hemp derived extract that has a certain percentage or concentration of THC, uh, CBD together with other compounds? Once you can sort of figure out what the chemistry is that causes the outcome that you're looking for, you want to use that knowledge to go buy products that have been lab tested and that can produce and give you that chemistry on a consistent basis. Um, otherwise, 
Otherwise, it's sort of like the Wild West, right? You you might buy you might go out and buy a product with a particular strain name. You know, let's say you go out and you buy Charlotte's Web, a Charlotte's Web product. You know, and you use that product and it works really well. If you go to a different dispensary or you buy a Charlotte's Web product from a different brand, just because it has that name Charlotte's Web doesn't mean it's going to have the exact same chemistry. And so you might be surprised when you don't get the effect that you got the first time. And so you know, understanding. Understanding the chemistry and understanding what what the ingredients of the product are is very very important in my view. Excellent. And so let's go into that a little bit further because most physicians that write authorizations for people who are needing medical cannabis really don't know a whole lot. And you know, hopefully that's improving as far as like how to specifically direct patients. So let's say a patient jumps on Leafly, they're still feeling somewhat overwhelmed. And where, where would you direct them? Like what, what's, what's to look for in like a medical dispensary? Like what, what are some of the, the key qualities of working with um, someone who's within the industry? Yeah. So I think we should think about the journey from start to finish. So, you know, let's imagine a medical patient um, and they've got some condition, right? Let's just say that they have, you know, colloidus or something. Um, and they're experimenting with cannabis. And so let's just assume that they're going out and they're buying cannabis flower products. Um, and I'm making that assumption because that's the most common product category out there. Um, you know, so they're buying flower and they're interested in trying different strains to see w- what works with their IBS. So a lot of times that that learning journey starts with Leafly because people will, you know, Google a strain name, maybe Charlotte's Web. Let's use that as an example. If you're an IBS patient, um, you're interested in a high CBD strain. Someone told you about Charlotte's Web. You end up on Leafly on the strain page, and you try that product. Um, so you can go onto Leafly and learn about Charlotte's Web. You see that it's a high CBD strain. So the visual representation of that strain has a lot of circles, and you can read um, in detail about the chemical composition that strain tends to have. Um, you read about what other consumers are saying about that strain and what they've used it for and what they have experienced. And then you find a product, um, a Charlotte's Web product at a dispensary nearby on Leafly, and you go and try that product. And let's say that you try that product and actually it, it didn't work that well. Um, it didn't give you quite the effects you wanted. So you go and you start doing more research on Leafly and you want to find a different kind of strain. So if that one didn't work, what you want to do is find a strain that likely has a different chemistry. So maybe in your research, you, you realize, okay, I tried that high CBD, um, CBD dominant strain. Now I want to try something that's a little bit more balanced, something that has a little bit of THC and CBD. So you find something that has both diamonds and circles, a strain like Harlequin that has a little bit of both. So you go try that product. You find where it's available at a dispensary nearby. Um, you can order it online. Um, you try that product. And let's just say that works better. So you've tried two strains now. One is CBD dominant, and it's got mostly CBD. The other one's got a balance of both THC and CBD. And maybe that helps your IBS symptoms a lot more. What you want to do is take that learning and that understanding and bring that to your physician. And I think that's going to empower your physician to help make much better recommendations for you compared to if you just came in and said, I tried cannabis and it either did or didn't work for me. If you can come into that conversation and you say, 
look, doc, I've, I've tried something that's high CBD, CBD dominant, Charlotte's Web. I've tried something that's balanced. It's actually got both THC and CBD, like Harlequin. And the second one worked a lot better. Now your doctor can take that information and they can go onto Leafly and see what that means in terms of the chemistry. And now they can use that to make a much more powerful recommendation to you about products that they know and they trust, because now they know that they, they're going to want to have something that has a similar chemical ratio to what you just told them. And I think if you can get to that point with your doctor and you have that conversation, not just what worked and what didn't, but what was the actual chemistry? What were the actual ingredients of the thing that worked compared to the thing that did not work? Yeah, I think that's excellent. And and I, I will say that there's a, a lot of quality me- medical dispensaries in the area. Um, I'm, I'm sure people are listening to this throughout the world, so that's not the case, but at least in our area. You know, to do your research also to see if there's um, staff on hand to answer questions at some of the medical dispensaries. Um, yeah. And, and, we do and how they go about answering questions is, is a really good clue is if they take their time and explain things just like Dr. Chacomas has here today, you know, just, I think these are all really important um, qualities versus some, some dispensaries are more recreational driven. And um, some some are more medical and some are both. You got to really be, you know, kind of look, know what you're looking for. Yeah. And and actually, we you know, we try to connect all those dots for consumers on Leafly by making it really easy um, to do a variety of things. And that ranges from, you know, reading articles to just learn and in- increase your own knowledge base. That includes the strain database. So you can go and compare and contrast strains based on their actual chemistry, which is something that you couldn't do, you know, even a, a year and a half ago on Leafly and you can't do almost anywhere else on the internet that I'm aware of. Um, but it also allows the consumer to compare and contrast dispensaries. So as a consumer, you can go onto Leafly, you can try and figure out what strain or what product you think is best for you. You can then find where that strain or that product is available across a set of dispensaries in your area. So that you can kind of compare and contrast like the menus and what's on them. And then, you know, as you go to those dispensaries and you find the ones that work for you and keep going back to them. And then the other thing that we actually do for medical patients is you can actually find doctors on Leafly as well. So um, in your area, there might be um, a variety of doctors available. And so just like you might compare and contrast strains, you might compare and contrast products and dispensaries. I think it's also important to compare and contrast doctors. And and like like Adam mentioned, um, you, you know, find one that works well with you, that takes the time to really explain things, that wants to know the details of what your symptoms have been, what products you've tried. And just make sure that you do do all of that due diligence and shopping online and do that comparison. I think almost you can think of it like comparison shopping with doctors until you find a doctor that's really going to work with you to, to help you um, at that, that appropriate level of detail. Great. Well, you've given us a lot of good messages through both of these um, these segments today and and the one we did on the overview. And so I, I think it's probably a good opportunity right now to kind of give you a chance to share ways for people to keep learning from you or other projects you're involved with or how people can find out more about your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll take a moment just to describe a lot of the work that I've done at Leafly and then kind of point people to where they can learn more. Um, and so for my role at Leafly as the director of science and innovation, um, I've really been doing a number of things, but you know, one of the most exciting areas for me that I've been focus- focusing on for a couple of years now is I've actually been working with 
um, cannabis testing facilities all throughout North America. And so these are the laboratory facilities that actually take in all of the products from all of the producers out there, and they're actually measuring the cannabinoid and terpene content of these products. So they're telling us um, really important information about the chemistry of all the strains and all the products that are out there. And so we work with those labs um, all throughout North America, in the U.S. and Canada, to take in that data and understand the chemistry of cannabis in new ways. And so what we're doing for consumers is we bring that information to them on the strain database with our new cannabis guide to visualize the chemistry of those strains so that you can actually see what you know the THC, the CBD, and the terpene content actually are for these things. And we've been doing a lot of interesting research behind the scenes as well. And so that's been a huge focus for me. Um, and there's a lot more that you can read up on on Leafly. So you can kind of go see what we've been working on by looking at the strain database. Um, there's a lot of exciting content that we've done around, um, you know, the chemistry of strains, the endocannabinoid system, and how the cannabinoids that you find in cannabis products connect to all those things. So I would encourage you to go to the Leafly content section and read up on those things. Um, and lastly, um, you can also just follow us um, on social media on all of our social channels. So Leafly is constantly sharing um, educational content um, on its own so social channels. Um, I'm also relatively active on Twitter. Um, so my handle is at um, trichomes, T-R-I-K-O-M-E-S. It's sort of a combination of my last name and trichomes, which are the structures on cannabis flowers that actually secrete the essential oils, the cannabinoids and terpenes of the plant. And so I often share what we're doing at Leafly. Um, I might share studies um, that I'm reading that I find are interesting that relate to some of the things that we've talked about on this podcast um, and, and a number of other things um, that I think are very educational. So those are all the places I would look. Um, you can go to Leafly, download the app or go to leafly.com. Um, it's always new and fresh. There's always new content to look at and there's always new features that we're releasing. So um, we appreciate people going to Leafly and giving us feedback so we know know what to keep building. Thank you so much. That's so great that you've shared a ton of information for us. And I know there's other areas of research to for us to pay attention um, to um, as we go, like the terpenoids. And then we talked about um, potentially some other derivatives like CBG and um, the psychedelics. I mean, this is just a emerging field of, of medicine and um, it'll, it'll be fun to follow your career and uh, keep in touch with you from time to time. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. This was fun. You're welcome. Well, um, thanks for being here and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Just pause for a, a brief message. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Rindy again. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share this episode with your friends, loved ones, and patients. And also press like or subscribe in your podcast player. Please share this widely on Instagram, Facebook, and other social networks like Twitter. We want to get these episodes out into the hands of the people who need them. Having access to information that can make a difference in, in your health is something that should be global and accessible to anybody. So we want to make sure that people hear about what we're doing over here on the One Thing Podcast. We appreciate your support and please continue to tune back in. We know there's a lot of podcasts to choose from and we really appreciate that we are someone that you listen to. Thank you again and we'll see you next time.